0: Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA Kit by Endocana Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, endo-aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, EndoDNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Effica Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Effica Unwind, created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formulation of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget, promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's a time. We had a hard time. Together. Together. Yes, it's a time. We had a high time. Hi y'all, I'm Joe, your host in Cannabis Lifestyle Guide, and this week we're celebrating some of my favorite core values, from radical transparency to responsible leadership. The acceptance of cannabis and the growth of our industry is advancing at a fast clip, so we're discussing business tools and concepts that respect our favorite plant, the supply chain, and cannabis consumers like you and me. Tyler Waxstein is co-founder and CEO of Open Nest Labs. He has over 12 years of community building and business development experience and is passionate about using business as a tool to drive positive social change. Tyler is an active angel investor and previously was managing curator at Summit Series a globally recognized event series for today's brightest leaders. When the U.S. Farm Bill was passed in 2018, Tyler saw an opportunity to create positive social outcomes within the emerging global industries of hemp and cannabis, specifically creating an infrastructure to incubate and accelerate a portfolio of cannabis brands. Like many of us, Tyler is passionate about destigmatizing the plant, and he focuses his efforts through science and research. Drawing from this experience, Tyler also co-founded Trailblazers, a community of industry leaders within the cannabis and hemp space. And if that's not enough, Tyler also uses his resources and network to drive impact as a board member of the Life is Good Kids Foundation and Holistic Research and Education Foundation. I need a break. So before we dive in, a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief, the muscle rub PhD formulated for what aches and pains you. And this week, we'll hear Seth's story of relief. Hey, everybody. Seth Walker here reporting from Asheville, North Carolina. Okay, here's the deal. Um, I'm a musician, guitar player. I do this a lot, a lot of playing, a lot of driving, And I've been for my whole life since I was like five years old, I started out playing the cello and I started to get some serious. I'm like getting some bullshit going on on my shoulder and this stuff right here, this stuff is saving my life. MJ relief to the rescue. It's a sweet, sweet bomb. Um, I've been using it for the last couple months. I mean, I was having some serious, serious issues, and it's definitely,
1: it's definitely easing it. Um, cannot recommend it higher, MJ Relief.
0: If chronic pains got you singing the blues and you want some muscle and joint relief of your own, head over to mjskinrelief.com. That's mjskin, R-E-L-I-E-F dot com. And if you're already a fan of MJ Relief, yes! Thank you very much. Please send a video or voice memo and let me share your story of relief on the podcast. And follow at MJ Skin Relief if you're a social butterfly. The Sustainability Roll-Up is presented by OCB Rolling Papers. In perfect harmony with natural, sustainable practices, It's always been the OCB signature to provide the highest quality, responsibly sourced and sustainably crafted rolling papers. To stay in the flow of today's conversation with Tyler, we're exploring the sustainability of our cannabis culture. One of the most important parts of a sustainable society and ecosystem is that everybody's got a voice and a stake in the game. And that's been a real challenge in the burgeoning cannabis industry until somewhat recently. About 5 years ago, I researched the crowdfunding option for Casually Baked. At the time, Dr. V and I had just created the muscle rub, and I intended to roll everything up under the same umbrella. A friend of mine had just started working for Indiegogo, and he planted the seed that crowdfunding might be a solution for me. Unless you live under a rock, you've probably heard the term crowdfunding, likely in the context of a Kickstarter campaign or a GoFundMe page. At the most general level, crowdfunding refers to a financial model in which small sums of money are collected from a large pool of people, aka the crowd. At the time, I got all excited and I met my buddy at Indiegogo's SF office, and together we discovered they couldn't work with ancillary cannabis companies or hemp-based CBD products. So with that wet blanket news, I never looked back into crowdfunding until Patreon started. And for me, Patreon doesn't garner enough attention or monthly support to even pay for the production of a single episode of this podcast. However, on the bright side, I have developed some great relationships with a handful of listeners that support Casually Baked on Patreon. You know who you are, and I love you, and I appreciate you. The struggle has been real, people. So it's a damn good thing I'm doing what I love. But I digress. Nowadays there are essentially three kinds of crowdfunding. Reward-based, when you contribute money and get a reward or product in return, like Patreon and Indiegogo. Donation-based is when a funder contributes to a campaign without expecting any perks or value in return, like GoFundMe. And then there's equity-based. Equity crowdfunding uses this same model but instead of offering products or perks, funders receive a percentage of ownership, a financial stake in the company, or the right to future revenues or crypto assets with an aim to earn a return on their investment. In the past, only accredited investors could invest in private companies. In theory, this was to protect everyday citizens from investing more than they could afford to lose. But this also meant that the majority of Americans were denied the opportunity to invest in startups at all. And while I wasn't paying attention, Title III of the JOBS Act was passed, which allows non-accredited individuals like me and you to invest in private companies. This is known as regulation crowdfunding, or simply REG-CF. And guess what? Some platforms have emerged that embrace our favorite plant which brings me back to preserving our cannabis culture. I care about the heritage of cannabis and the men and women who lived in the fringes to cultivate and disseminate plant medicine and to those who spoke up about the bogus war on drugs and the benefits of hemp and cannabis and those who fight and continue to fight for our freedom to consume our way on our terms. If you're like me, You probably don't want to see big money guys who probably prefer cocaine to cannabis, if I'm honest. You know, they waltz in, sign multi-million dollar contracts with the hottest celebrities that smoke weed, and they white-label classic cultivars, wrap them in slick, wasteful packaging, and upcharge you for the status symbol of consuming their shit. Instead, I'm vibing with the idea of now being able to support the heart of cannabis culture by investing in scrappy entrepreneurs who love and honor cannabis. With Reg CF, you can now find cannabis companies you believe in and buy equity in their brand for as little as $100. Tyler and I talk more about Reg CF during the interview and how you can get involved. Sustainability in its broadest, simplest definition is the ability to sustain something. And the best way to sustain something is to nurture it and handle it with care. So not all cannabis flower or rolling papers will ever be created equal. That's why OCB is the largest rolling paper brand in the world and has been one with nature, crafting their papers naturally since 1918. And to this day, they continue to up-level their efforts. All OCB papers are plant to puff and made in a facility that's powered by 100% green energy. With longevity like that, you know they've perfected the process for a consistently great session time after time. Of course, you must be 21 and older to buy OCB rolling papers and to follow the natural wonders of OCB on social, at OCB underscore USA. And for all of you grown-up joint rolling novices out there, I invite you to learn the craft alongside me. Catch the Roll With Me video series live streaming on the Casually Baked YouTube channel with replays on the WeedTube and IGTV. Tyler, and an impromptu special guest, joined me on the most recent episode of Roll With Me. Be sure to check it out after you listen to today's podcast. And if you haven't bought your rolling supplies yet, visit ocbusa.com backslash baked to get four booklets of OCB and a rolling tray for only $4.99. This bundle is worth $20 and is around for a limited time. But the rolling skills and street cred we'll earn together, my friend, makes this bundle priceless. As for you OGs who can roll a joint while smoking one, I challenge you to sample the entire line of OCB products and let me know your favorite. Ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers. You'll find links to the OCB special offer, as well as an interest form for joining me on an episode of Roll With Me in the podcast 194 show notes at casuallybaits.com. This enlightening podcast is for both entrepreneurs and curious armchair cannabis investors. We cover leadership, accessibility, diversity, inclusion, radical transparency, and open sourcing cannabis education. So smoke them if you got them, and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the of wine, the high I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. So- I'm excited to have with me today Tyler Waxstein on the podcast. He is the co-founder and CEO of Open Nest Labs. Tyler, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes. And in the middle of a family vacation. I mean, that's like real commitment to your career. Well,
1: well, you know, it's like, you know, with with this new future of work, you're always on. And, you know, wherever, it's what's, what's awesome about it is I can be on a family vacation right now and still be very plugged in and just as effective as I was at the office.
0: It's true. It really is. And like I was telling you in the green room, I've been trying to get a lot of content created because I'm about to go spend two weeks with my family in Texas. And they always accuse me of just being at work when I'm with them. So yeah. I'm given a good old college try this this month to get ahead so I can be more present and focused with my family. So kudos to you.
1: Yeah, oh, that's great. It's the most important family time.
0: I agree. I agree. Now, one of the things that I am excited to talk to you about today is the fact that you're really passionate about business tools to drive positive social change. And, you know, that's one of the things that you and your co-founders and team have done with Open Nest Labs is creating a space where you can take brands at any stage and, you know, incubate accelerate or advise them based on the wealth of knowledge that you all have. So talk to me a little bit about like what drove you to be passionate about helping cannabis brands do their thing and be successful.
1: Yeah, you know, I was really fortunate. I've had some incredible mentors over my career. And, you know, what I learned really young was business can be a force for good. And in some ways, business is the most powerful force for social good. And, you know, I spent a good amount of my career early on uh, at the company, the Life is Good company in Boston, which really kind of taught me the fundamentals of conscious capitalism and how to use business as a force for change. And um, during my time there, I learned so much from Burt Jacobs and John Jacobs, the founders Really thinking about and being at the forefront of conscious capitalism. And as I got into the cannabis industry and the hemp industry, and I started to understand the medical value and the cannabis plant and, you know, understand the endocannabinoid system, um, you know, and also seeing like the cultural shift of cannabis being destigmatized and being more uh, accessible, I found that, you know, this is where the industry is going. And this is where consu- what consumers demand is brands with a conscious, brands with a backbone that do things the right way and don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. And so everything we do at Openness Labs is really about how do we put together the fundamentals of what it takes to be a good business, whether you're in cannabis or whether you're in tech or whether you're in traditional CPG or healthcare or any other industry. Um, there's basic principles that are agnostic that you can bring to every industry, and so we bring those best practices of conscious capitalism to every.
0: Hey, music lovers! The Canamom Show podcast, in collaboration with Lampkin Guitars, is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah. You heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at LampkinGuitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the goods dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-guitars.com.
1: Everything we do at openness.
0: I love that. And it's so true. You know, people that are looking to break into the cannabis industry and they're like, well, I don't know anything about cannabis. I'm like, but if you have good business sense and Hello. an acumen for being a leader, then you can totally make your mark in the cannabis space. Now, one of the things um, that I read that kind of was a hot button for me with you was the fair chance hiring. Talk to me about what that means to you in the cannabis industry and what y'all are doing around that.
1: Yeah, we did um, a number of clinics and trainings with uh, an amazing organization based in Oakland called Root and Rebound. And we did a number of fair chance hiring workshops, which were really set up and focused on making sure that cannabis Career opportunities are more accessible, Um, and we the focus with Rebound was specifically for those that have previously been incarcerated for minor drug offenses, Um, and really, you know, giving um, basic fundamentals of you know how we can help people prepare for an interview, prepare their resume, um, also get them opportunities with cannabis companies. Um, you know, One of the things that I also co-founded was an organization called Trailblazers Presents. And Trailblazers was really built off the notion that in any new emerging industry, there's always more opportunities to collaborate than compete, especially if you can align yourself with the right people. And so we've been really focused on building a community of leaders, CEOs, investors, policymakers, researchers, uh, operators across the supply chain. Um, to really build a circle of trust that can help elevate the industry as a collective. Um, And so through that network, we have tons of access. And so the Fair Chance Hiring Workshop is really set up to bridge the gap between those that don't have as much access and for those that do, and really try to create more opportunities for um, underserved communities and specifically those that have been previously incarcerated for minor drug offenses to get access and opportunity to the cannabis industry.
0: That's very important. And it's also such a it just speaks to the importance of networking and connection and collaboration, because, you know, the more diversified your circle is, the more interesting things you can end up doing. And, you know, I was labeled bossy as a a young (laughs) girl, and I have been a leadership nerd my whole life. And, you know, one of the things that I see a lot in the cannabis space is people becoming accidental leaders. You know, they have a great idea. They want to start like a business. Well, you know, it's like <laughs> they become leaders. They don't necessarily have the skill set for it, but yeah. they had a great idea and founded a company and now they've got people underneath them. So, you know, what kinds of things have you learned that would be good advice for people who really need to sharpen their leadership skills?
1: You know, that's a great question. I think... um you know the most important thing for leaders is uh is to lead by example right you know i think that there's a lot of talking but you got to walk the walk to me one of the most important voices of leadership is Brene brown and what Brene teaches um and is studied for so much, so long across personal relationships professional relationships is the importance of vulnerability and i think in cannabis in particular We're going in an industry, we're working in an industry that was previously illegal and has been built on the shoulders of so many incredible leaders and pioneers that have gone through so much struggle and strafe to get us to where we are today. And now you're going through this legal market and this transition from an illegal substance to what is now deemed an essential service in most states in the United States. And no one knows what we're doing. In a lot of ways you know like whether you're you know a large publicly traded cannabis company in canada or you're a big public mso or you're a private company or you're anywhere in between there's no playbook and of how to build a cannabis industry and how to build a cannabis company and how to build a culture within the company to, to be successful and so we're all learning every day and i think one of the most important things as a leader is to be vulnerable knowing that you don't have all the answers and to be able to actually be in a spot where you can ask for help, where you can create a collaborative environment. You know, you talked about diversity, like diversity doesn't drive just interesting things. It drives innovative things like diversity drives innovation. And I think when you have diverse of thought, you have innovative approaches to solving problems. And that's what cannabis is all about right now, like in, in this, uh, you know, you're dealing with a, a new commodity that's coming online that has so much rich medicinal, spiritual, um, and also general wellness benefits for the world. And we, you know, it, it's, it's a very delicate subject that every county and every state and on the federal level and on the international level are dealing with. And so, you know, for us, I think the way in which we're approaching the industry is really by being good stewards of the industry and trying to collaborate with the best leaders that believe in um, the importance of the plant, getting it out to the world, um, and doing so with integrity. And so, you know, I think leadership is something that is the most important conversation in in all of business. But it's also something that um, in a new emerging industry like cannabis, there isn't like, here's the leadership process, or here's the leaders that have been doing this for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, there's no companies like Apple or GE that have like, you know, are real leaders. Um, And I think as we look at that in cannabis, um, you know, that's the most exciting opportunity is that we get to be part of building it from scratch. And our role is to be the humble stewards to lead by example, but also surround ourselves with other leaders that kind of align with our values and find really unique ways to partner with them.
0: I agree. And, you know, the one thing that I will add on top of that is, you know, with the vulnerability piece of it, I want a leader in the cannabis space who has a relationship with cannabis. You know, I want a leader that's willing to tell me about their relationship with it, how it started, why they use it, why it's important to them, why they're a part of this industry. I get turned off by the VCs entering yeah, in the, the space. Wall
1: money coming in yeah, and, it,
0: and so, you know, I think the leader that people want to follow in this space truly is authentically part of the cannabis culture
1: and respects the cannabis culture.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you're a part of it, you know, it's a lot more um, easy to be clever when you're casually baked or when you have a relationship with cannabis and you're trying to solve a problem. Like, you know what you're trying to fix. You're not just trying to jack up a huge brand and then sell it. So I appreciate the trailblazers approach to things. And I definitely want to, uh, Get involved in that organization. Sounds like my tribe, Tyler.
1: Definitely your tribe, Joe. And I think it would be an honor to have you. You know, our next event. We just did an amazing event in Sedona um, I love at the Sedona. Enchantment Resort, where we were kind of in this beautiful spiritual canyon, Boynton Canyon, in Sedona. And you know, if you've been the Sedona, like just the spiritual energy of the Red Rocks, and you know, the indigenous wisdom of that land. And we had a beautiful gathering, which um, it was really nice just to like get community back together, you know, and like be around people that you love and people that you don't know that have a lot of same values. And so it was a really great event. And our next event is going to be in October, um, October eleven to thirteen at the Ojai Valley Inn in Ojai, California, um, which is another beautiful resort. And you know, our goal of those events is to do a lot. What I think what you do and evangelize through your podcast is create a collaborative environment where we can bring leaders. In a place where they can put their guards down and really connect, you know, it's not like we're in this like boring kind of convention center or you know hotel lobby. Um, we really try to create really, ins- you know, take people and curate and produce experiences at really inspirational settings that allow people to, you know, not only professionally connect but more importantly personally connect. Because if you can build friendships with people and you can connect on that level, then the business stuff becomes easy.
0: Absolutely. When I left uh, corporate, um, I was a marketing director for a big real estate developer. And, you know, I gave away my things and sold my car, moved to Italy. And I took a midlife retirement to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was like, I picked the wrong dream. Let's have a do over. And it was so important to me that my work was play because, mm-hmm. you know, we spend so much time working that I want to enjoy my friends. So I want the people that I work with to be people that I like. Totally. And, you know, when we're talking about giving advice to people, you know, one of the things I always say is be somebody that you want to hang out with.
1: 100%.
0: Show up and be fun, be practical, be kind, be compassionate, have good ideas, listen more than you speak. You know, all these things make us...
1: And your vibe attracts your tribe. Right. Like, you know, what you put out in the world is what you put in, what you get back. And, um, you know, I'm a true believer in the power of manifestation and like energy and, you know, the quantum realm of like, you know, your thoughts are your reality. Um, And so that goes to, you know, well, my mom used to say at a very young age, like you are who you surround yourself with. Right. And like, if you look at your five closest friends or five closest and, and usually you spend more time to your point with. People you work with, than maybe your friends per se, and so when you start to think about who you're spending the most time with, that's who you are, and so like th- making sure that you know your vibe is attracting your tribe or your tribe is, is what you want your vibe to be is critical to finding that harmonious balance between you know work and life. And um, you know, I, I never really kind of was a strong believer in the work life balance kind of notion. Cause I always think like work should be a subset of your life and it should serve your life. And when it's serving your life properly, then there's this really unique balance where like I'm on a family vacation right now, but I'm excited to be talking to you because this is what I love to talk about. This is what I love to do. And I think that's where when you can blend that kind of harmoniously, that's when, you know, a lot unlocks.
0: Yes. That's where the magic happens. Totally. So let's talk about radical transparency. Mm. because I think mm. that's part another big part of not only leadership, but um, conscious capitalism and, and being a a business that um, you can be proud of. Totally. So tell me what you guys are doing at Open Nest Labs and how you help people achieve that.
1: You know, radical transparency is critical, in my opinion. And it's what Customers demand. It's what employees demand. It's what investors demand. um, It's what your partner you know. It's what my wife demands out of me. I think like that is like a. I think it's a fundamental value that is embodied in everything we do. So whether it's you know you know having team meetings and giving our employees and our ecosystem of partners across the portfolio access and insights into what's happening, so they can contribute. Whether it's you know communicating uh, transparently and directly with all of our investors, or if it's like a value of the brands we're building, you know one of our brands that's really our flagship brand that we incubated is a company called Unilectric. and Unilectric is um, was really designed to bring radical transparency to the flower buying market. Um, you know when you walk into a dispensary today, you you're, you're kind of uh, overwhelmed sometimes by the amount of packaging and branding and all the different things that are coming at you, um, but for me, when I walk into a dispensary, what I'm wondering is like, who grew this flower yes. and where did they grow it, and wh- what is the story behind this 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 strain? Let alone what is the story around this box. And so when we when we looked at that as like a problem we wanted to solve, we built Unilectric with this kind of const- this really this 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 messaging of like premium flour that's fairly priced, that brings radical transparency to the flower buying market and really puts the farmer at the center of the story. Uh, we believe the, the the cannabis farmer is the next celebrity chef and the opportunity to really put them in the center of the story and really give them attribution to all the incredible work. Like there's real craftsmanship that goes into cultivating cannabis. Absolutely. And it's, you know, anyone who enjoys cannabis understands the craftsmanship of the steps it takes over you know the eight to nine week cycle of you know taking a, a clone or a teen into harvest and that whole process is such a beautiful process that is so like well cared for by um, people that don't get enough spotlight um and so like for us when we built you know electric as a brand um it, you know we really kind of built it on the foundation of radical transparency. Um, and so, and we do that with every one of our brands as well, you know, whether it's on our hemp side when we're doing things around, you know, radical transparency of our supply chain partners. Um, um, but I think, you know, it's, it's just a fundamental part of everything we do. And I think if you look at any other traditional CPG category, consumers care where the product comes from. That it's high quality, that it's sustainably grown, that the employees that are 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 caring for that product are well taken care of, um and well paid for, and I think you know those are those are just fundamentals that are critical to everything that we do. But I think what we've done with Unilelectric really brings that to life in a in a whole new way that's um getting a lot of traction in the market, and we're really excited about that.
0: Yeah. And I I hear you say that it's fundamental, but I feel like a lot of it's not fundamental to a lot of people. Like I was just a guest on a podcast yesterday and I'm like, I am so sick of hearing that. Well, it's cannabis is cannabis, you know, like somebody having multiple strains and putting it all in the same jar. And it's like, what? It's just cannabis. And I'm like, no, it's not just cannabis. And so, I think the
1: perfect example is like you see a lot of celebrity brands right now oh, coming into the market that they're just like renaming a strain that's been you know really this this strain was created by someone by a group of people that cared that that breeded this strain that put it in the market that created a brand around that that consumers demand. And you see some of these celebrities coming into the market, and I don't need to say names because I don't, I'm not like that. But um, there's a there's there's a number of them, and they're getting written up about constantly, and getting called out for it, and they just think that it's okay to just like white label a uh, strain and rename it, and. That's where you're not respecting the industry, respecting the culture, and respecting the game. And like cannabis has a very strict unwritten rules of how to play the game. Because um, I used to sell cannabis in high school and college, and there's a rules of like wh- we when this used to be in the illicit market to where it's now in the legal market, and those rules still apply. And part of it is like respecting everyone that's involved. And for us at Union you know, Electric, like we're a brand, we're a service layer between the best cultivators in California and the consumer. And our goal is to be able to provide a seamless experience, the consumer to get the best cannabis at the best price. Um, But we do that without jeopardizing the integrity of the cultivator and the supply chain. And that I think is is unfortunately unique. (laughs) It shouldn't be unique, but it is.
0: Yeah, and so Union Electric, where can that cannabis be found? since we're on the stage. Yeah, it's,
1: right now you can find it all over California. I mean, we're in close to 200 dispensaries in California. Uh, we work with incredible cultivators all across California. Uh, you can also get us on a bunch of delivery services, including uh, Amuse and Flower Co. and, and a few others. Uh, we're in a, a bunch of amazing dispensaries. One of the things we're really excited about is uh, a Reg CF crowdfund. Um, you know, one of the things that we're doing with Union Electric, and as we really think about fully manifesting the vision of building the union, um, is allowing our customers and cannabis consumers to own equity in our brand uh, and actually be able to buy equity in our brand for as low as a hundred dollars. And I think that's a really unique thing because you know we're not traditional, we're not Wall Street guys, we're not VCs, we're just like scrappy entrepreneurs that love cannabis. That got a bunch of support from really smart investors, which is really exciting. Um, but we don't have a lot of that traditional VC Wall Street background. We're not like you know arbitraging the financial system to like you know pump stocks and then dump it. And but what we are doing is building real companies with real integrity. And Unilectric is one of those brands that is taking off. We're backed by some of the best investors in cannabis, as well as some of the best investors in traditional CPG. Um, and we're going to be allowing our customers to buy equity in Union Electric for as low as a hundred dollars. And I think that's such a cool way to fully material, like manifest the vision of building a union and, and also making cannabis accessible. Um, that's a big issue is like the accessibility.
0: So let's talk about this for a second, because, you know, crowdfunding has not been something that on some of these traditional platforms, Um, They wouldn't accept a CBD company on there, so much less a cannabis company. So when it comes to executing something like that, how does a company do that? What advice do you have? What platform do you use? How does it work?
1: Totally. So we're, um, you know, it's all new. Recently, the SEC made a a new regulation change that essentially allowed companies, all companies, raise up to $5 million every 12 months, uh, which previously, I think it was $1.08 million per every 12 months. So it's a big, big, big jump to be able to raise more traditional retail investors where traditional companies, you know, usually if you have an idea, and you want to go get funding, you have to find a, a rich person or find a venture capitalist or find some family office, and you have to pitch them, you have to go through term sheets, it can get complicated. But with you know things like Indiegogo and Kickstarter, it made like having like a simple idea or like an in- invention be able to like activate a community. If you so, if you solve the problem that a lot of people believe this should be solved, and I want to I want to participate in it, and I just want to own it. Indiegogo and cocoa and Kickstarter allowed you to like pre-buy something. Yeah, right? so fun. Um, what Republic allows you to do is is own equity in a private company. Um, Which is, you know, this is usually, historically, you would have to be an SEC kind of accredited investor um, to be able to invest in private companies. Um, Or you can invest in publicly traded companies, of course, you know, on, you know, Robinhood or E-Trade or, you know, through any sort of means. But now what Republic has allowed really unique opportunity. Is being able to get access to retail investors to participate in the building of your company. So in cannabis and in CBD, you know, that's a whole nother challenge, right? You don't have traditional banking. Uh, it's a federally illegal substance. Um, you know, on the hemp side, it's still a very gray area. What ingestibles versus. You know, topicals, the FDA still is like playing in a very big gray area. But on the cannabis side, this is a federally illegal substance. So you don't have any traditional banking. You don't have a lot of institutional investors. So the pool of capital to be able to be an entrepreneur to start a company is like probably one to 2% of what normal entrepreneurs have if they're operating outside of cannabis. So that's one big challenge that we were trying to solve for. But for us, it was less about fundraising. It was more about accessibility, right? It's more about actually, we believe that cannabis is, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when that cannabis will be federally legalized. Uh, it's not a matter of if or a matter of when that this becomes destigmatized and it becomes normal to consume cannabis in your everyday life. Um, it's not a matter of if, but when cannabis and the science and research gets out and put into the world where we understand the medical true benefits of this plant. Um, and so most people know this, right? Most people believe it. And if you're listening to this podcast, I know you believe it. And I think that's where we wanted to provide access to people to invest and in own equity in our company uh, at a very favorable valuation based upon our revenue and give them the opportunity to ten x their money over the next three to five years as this company explodes, and to be on the ride for us. And I think, you know, when you think about accessibility, when you think about diversity and inclusion, and you think about the the, the wealth gap between you know the wealthy and the poor, and like I grew up poor, lower middle class, I never had access to investment opportunities as, as a kid, as a high school student, as a college student. And, and and I'm still like shocked that I'm in doing what I'm doing today, but that is what we wanted to provide with Electric. We wanted to give the everyday cannabis consumer who buys weed every day, smokes weed every day. Wouldn't it be cool that you, if you owned part of that brand that you loved and in our promise to the consumer is that we're going to promise to always give you the best flower at the best price. And we're also rolling out a number of other products um, including gummies uh maybe even a beverage, we're looking at it, maybe a unit electric beer. And I think like that is where we want to give access to our customers. And I think that is like when you talk again talking about radical transparency, it's like we want to be able to not just like sell you something. We want you to profit with us as we build something that is actually servicing and providing value to the industry.
0: Yes. When you're buying that weed, you're investing in yourself. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, yeah, we've got REI, you know, being members of the co-op. and 100%, which I've been forever. Yeah. I mean, why not? This is such a great idea. I love that. And, you know, when you talk about the research and education, you are part of the Holistic Research and Education Foundation. and. You're actually the director of that. So tell me a little bit about what that organization is doing um, in cahoots with everything else that you work on.
1: Yeah. So within Openness, we're doing stuff on the THC side and we're doing stuff on the hemp side. You know, when we think about our partnership with Holistic, and I'm very honored to be a board member of that organization. um, You know, for us, it was like, how do you bring, again, radical transparency and collaboration to the research and science development process and bring accredited academic institutions like UCLA, UC San Diego, um, University of Utah, uh, Harvard, Columbia, Oxford, some amazing organizations, which are all part of this consortium that the Holistic Research and Education Foundation has has built, um, was how do you democratize access to research and development? you know, as part of trailblazers and and being stewards of that community, we we get a lot of access to a lot of interesting people. And so we're talking to, you know, the executive team at Canopy Growth, or we're talking to the executive team at Tilray, or we're talking to the executive team at Charlotte's Web, or we're talking to the executive team of all these interesting companies that have all this capital, right? Have all these uh, goals of, you know, finding out more research and understanding of cannabinoids, what I call cannabinoid cocktails, what are the right formulations of these cannabinoids to give you the unique and exact consistent experience at the right dosage? How do we educate consumers around that? Um, But a lot of the companies, I'd say, that are backed by investors have real a profit driving their interests, right? And that is, how do we own this IP? How do we patent this formula? How do we patent this cannabinoid? And that is not how this industry should be built. And that is not how this industry should service the consumer or the patient who cares and needs this pant to increase their quality of life. And so the Holistic Research and Education Foundation was really developed and built um, and created by an incredible leader, um, woman named Pauline Thorgood, um, and an incredible team around her, but Pauline is really the force behind the organization. And they've funded over, um, I think over $6 million of human clinical trials, uh, with cannabinoid-rich therapeutics. And that is all about how do we put information in the public domain, right? How do we put this information in the public domain so that the whole industry can elevate, uh, because if the whole industry elevates, then we all have unique opportunities as business leaders to take that information and build really high quality, high integrity, you know conscious businesses around it. Um, and so my work there is um, you know i 'm a board member and I support with fundraising, I support with strategic partnerships. Um, I support by being an evangelist, by educating people when you give me an opportunity to talk about it. Um, but Pauline is really uh, the force behind that organization. And um, she's an incredible leader with incredible passion of um, just putting more information about cannabis and cannabinoids and endocannabinoid system and how it can work with us to in harmony uh, in the public domain through this consortium of academic institutions.
0: It's so important and I appreciate that y'all are doing that because it is true, you know, the more you're in the industry, the deeper you get, the more knowledge you acquire, and it's our responsibility to share that with the world. Like mother nature is all about open sourcing. And so, okay. you know, we can't it does boggle my mind that people, you know, try to patent cannabinoids and, you know, it's just ridiculous the things that happen when you have money and you are a big pharmaceutical company. So having, you know, resources like the Holistic Research and Education Foundation where small businesses who have great ideas or a smart PhD who's just dipping their toe in cannabis can go, you know, get this information because we aren't competing when it comes to cannabis. We're part of a collective community that's trying to bring about positive change in the world and give people a, a whole plant option to all of the pills that they've been, you know, shoved down their throat for all of these years.
1: There's so There's been so much lobbying against cannabis over the last 50 plus years, right? Where the big pharma has, hasn't allowed cannabis research to actually be done, you know, historically really probably before 2018 from like the 60s to 2018 the only cannabis that was being studied was coming out of uh mississippi and it was like moldy swag weed right that had zero like i mean anyone on this podcast would laugh if they saw the shitty weed that they were testing like and and i think with holistic even though they've had so much incredible intention and ambition and even philanthropic support around funding these research projects there's still so much red tape around academic institutions that are mostly federally backed right and this because it's federally illegal they don't get federal funding if they are testing or studying anything that's federally illegal so there's this weird like you know um juggernaut of like dynamics that make it really challenging. And what Pauline has actually gone on to do with one of our partners at OpenNest, Dr. Jeff Chen, who's the co-founder of uh, the UCLA Cannabis Research Initiative, the two of them have actually come together understanding and, and seeing firsthand the red tape and challenges of being at UCLA and being at Holistic. In trying to actually put more research in the public domain uh, through a venture philanthropy kind of mentality they have go- come together to start a company called radical science which uh, is an incredible b corp which we are honored to be partners of that is really focused on democratizing clinical trials around cannabis so how do we actually direct a consumer test hey what is a five milligrams of, full, of, of a full spectrum CBD oil do for you? What is 20 milligrams? What is the difference between full spectrum and, you know, and isolate and like really starting to like actually really rapid prototype testing because it doesn't like when you think about a clinical trial and what it takes to do a clinical trial, it usually takes like three to seven years, millions and millions of dollars, tons of like bullshit you got to go through and they're actually just trying to like cut through and simplify the process in a radical transparent way. Um, Going back to radical transparency. Um, And so radical science is is another amazing organization that I suggest people check out if they're interested. Um, Radical spelled L-E instead of A-L and um, RadicalScience.com. And they're just an incredible organization. And so that's what Pauline's Poli- now really focused on that. We're still very involved with holistic and still pushing forward. But it, it, it's really frustrating when you have so much good intention and you put so much of fight in to try to do research with some of these academic institutions. And it just takes forever. And you're just not getting the input that we want. And it's simple. We just want to know, how much CBD should I take for pain how much CBN should I take for sleep? What type of entourage effect for this strain of cannabis, whether I consume it as a, in an edible format, or in a tincture, or in a flower, or vape pen, how do I make sure I'm gonna get the same experience? It's simple stuff that we're looking for that we just can't solve, and so I, I'm very bullish on radical science being able to really go at those problems head on, and. Um, that's where a lot of our focus as an organization at Openness is now focused on the research side is is via radical and and via holistic, but a lot of it's through radical now.
0: I appreciate that. And you brought up several things um, during this last little bit. We talk about people lobbying against cannabis. And right now, everyone's really pushing for federal legalization. But with all of these anti-cannabis lobbyists being the pharmaceutical company and even the alcohol company. I have friends that are high up in the alcohol industry and they talk about laughing at dinner parties with their lobbyist friends saying cannabis is going to be legal when we say it's going to be legal. And so, you know, you have these people that are really just biding their time, building their case. How can they take over the industry? You know, big tobacco, alcohol, pharma Legalization is going to happen when they have all of their ducks in a row. So I'm really at a point now where I'm less worried about federal legalization and and more concerned with how can we be very clever to in the right now with things like you're talking about with radical science to just continue to push forward, even when there's so much there's so many brick walls in front of us. Like we just got um, to keep climbing them.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I think the federal legalization conversation is an interesting one. And I think it, uh, you know, whether it's the alcohol companies or, you know, I think the internet broke when Amazon recently said that they were going to, you know, not test their employees and they were pro the MORE Act and wanted a federal legalization to happen. And of course they want to sell weed on Amazon. And you if you're a prime user, you get, you know, electric for a discount. Like, I, I think that's great. I, I think there's... Um, the big challenge that a lot of people aren't talking about is the fact that for the states that are currently experiencing and have a recreational program that's live there's so much tax revenue going into the states that the states some of these states are going bankrupt right they they're losing their economy they're losing their main you know whether it's oil and gas or fossil fuel industry which is a horrible industry but a lot of our country especially in the midwest is like is you know the states are funded by a lot of that tax income you know whatever industry it's all changing the world is changing dramatically like what happened over 2020 and through the pandemic like there's all the cracks in our economy have just gotten more highlighted and i think as we look at like some of the dynamics of like the safe banking act and the more act or some of these things and all the conversation around um, federal legalization I think we're definitely a few years out for federal legalization to happen, primarily because the states want the revenue for themselves. Um, And I point, you know, when pharma, alcohol, and just big business in general want to press go on federal legalization, it probably could happen very quickly. And so that's definitely one of those things where you wake up as an entrepreneur in cannabis and you could wake up in the morning and everything has changed with one stroke of a pen, but I, but either, either way, I think, like I said, it's, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. Um, and I just hope that when federal legalization happens, it happens with integrity where there's real reparation, um, for all the cr- crime and terror that cannabis and the war on drugs has, you know, done to communities of color. Um, and that we really look at our robust social equity expungement And reparation program around cannabis for uh, for people of color that we really put in good process and implement, um, you know, legislation around sustainability and making sure that cannabis is um, cannabis farmers, cannabis operators are uh, motivated by legislation to continue to grow cannabis in, in a sustainable way and not create cannabinoids in a petri dish um which is what pharma companies want. Um and you know I, and then I think there's just like I hope that science and research really gets accelerated. Um and I think hope that we can, you know, really put serious funding into cannabis research uh and that organizations like Holistic and Radical Science will be empowered to make sure that we're providing patients and customers who need cannabis to increase their quality of life um the insights and information to do that safely.
0: Amen. Um. so people that are looking to build community because that, you know, in order to do all of these things, you know, it takes a village. So if we're trying to build our village, create community where we are, you know, based on all of your experience, you know, what have you learned building community that would be an easy takeaway for us to get going?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think you said it earlier, you know, listening more than you're speaking is, is probably the most important in building community. Um I think you know we also talked a little bit about diversity driving innovation and having uh diverse points of view as part of your community so that you understand how this is you know how what you're experiencing and what you're maybe experiencing with your core friends that might look like you how it might be different for people that don't look like you um because I think it's you know cannabis has real stigma you know whether it's my 75 year old father-in-law who is so in, in in awe of what I'm doing in cannabis, but would never touch the plant. Like I actually, he picked me up from the airport and I brought him to a dispensary because I'm like, come in, you need to come in and do research. And I grabbed some flour and I grabbed some gummies and I grabbed some pre-rolls. And I was more like just doing research, but it's like, he doesn't understand, it, right? He He's from a different generation. And so you have to be like compassionate and patient to help him understand. It. Um, and so I think, you know, You know, building community in cannabis is listening more than you're speaking and understanding where people are coming from. Um, I think it's getting diverse thought and not just making sure that, you you know, um, whether it's, you know, people looking like you, people living in the same neighborhood as you, city as you, state as you, because how people are living in New York versus L.A. versus Omaha, Nebraska versus, you know, Boise, Idaho versus Chicago, Illinois, all different cultures just in the us right uh and then if you look at chicago what's happening in the south side of chicago versus what's happening in hyde park very different energy there around can- legal cannabis market and so i think there's uh, and then in most of these states whether it's recreational or not there's a very strong and big market that's been there forever um and so like respecting what you know, the illicit market was and what we're going into this legal market and like actually respecting the bridge between the two, you know, in my opinion, if if you're operating in the gray area in a legal state, you're the problem, right? Like you, like, you know, it goes back to leadership. Like, you know, if you're a licensed operator in California, and then you're also selling cannabis out their back door, like you're the problem in the industry. But it's also like for people that have been selling out their back door for 15 years, and you want to help that person who has tons of knowledge and domain expertise, bringing them authentically and with integrity into the legal industry, that's part of the solution.
0: Um, I appreciate it. And so that.
1: I think it's, you know, it's the gray area that's the issue. But I do think like, um, but, you know, building community is all about compassion. It's all about, you know, putting yourself in other people's shoes and creating a safe space for people to connect authentically. Um And that's the most beautiful thing about cannabis, right? Cannabis is a social experience. Like this plant has has so much wisdom and indigenous cultures around the world have used this plant for sacred rituals for centuries. And um, I think, you know, making sure you're always recognizing and respecting the plant for what it has been and what it always will be is probably, the you know, some, some pieces of advice.
0: I dig it. Thank you. So if people want to connect with you offline on social, how do they find you, Tyler?
1: Yeah, I'm usually a ghost. I try to stay off the internet Good as much as I can. But um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Tyler Waxstein. Uh, you can find me at OpenNest, Union Electric, uh, OpenNest.co, dot co. I'm on Instagram at Curious Farmer, uh, which my handle was kind of made up when I... Uh, started farming in vermont with some amazing friends who created a beautiful you know who kind of revitalizes old historic um goat farm in uh up in in kind of central vermont and started growing hemp and i've been uh honored to be an investor and early partner in that business and when i started with them I, i changed my instagram handle to curious farmer because i'm just so curious about the plant i'm so curious about the process of the plant And uh, so, yeah, you can find me on Instagram on Karis Farmer, which is mostly just cute pictures of my son and the fun life that I try to live where I balance work and play.
0: All right. Well, speaking of, I'll let you get back to that family time. Uh, I appreciate you hanging out with us today and um, and talking about cannabis leadership and uh, open sourcing education. It's all stuff that gives me the warm and fuzzies in the space. (laughs) Like, so I appreciate it.
1: Appreciate it, Joe. Thanks so much for having me.
0: As a cannabis consumer, I hope you're inspired to be a good steward for the plants and our culture. And while you're at it, you can share this episode with a friend. If you're curious to learn more about Tyler or the things we discussed, like Root & Rebound, Open Nest Labs, Trailblazers Presents, Radical Science, or Investing in Union Electric Cannabis Company. And for you entrepreneurs, Reg CF platforms you can look into. You can find all those details and links in the podcast 194 show notes at casuallybaked.com. And if you're looking for a one of a kind cannabis infused getaway this year, I invite you to join me in the beautiful wine and weed country of Sonoma County, California. As a cannabis lifestyle guide, over the last six years, I've cultivated a one of a kind farm stay experience where you can enjoy the casually baked lifestyle and the magic of sun-grown cannabis farms and vineyards. Now, if you're into wine, weed, or both, get ready to have a high time customized just for you. Learn more at casuallybaked.com backslash travel. All right, folks. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, you appreciate the sermons, help spread the message far and wide by rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen. It takes a village to shine a positive light of awareness on the cannabis lifestyle. And your small action helps other canna-curious folks find this highly responsible cannabis content. So thanks for doing your part to Puff Puff, Pass It On. Casually Baked the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album Gotta Get Back wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out.